Morning, Hope. Before we um, take time to look at God's Word together, learn from God's Word together, I uh, feel it's appropriate that we, that we acknowledge what, uh, what the tragedy that took place in our nation just yesterday morning. Uh, I believe all of you are aware and probably were following the story and headlines and uh, throughout the day of the mass shooting that took place at a synagogue uh, in Pittsburgh. I believe Tree of Life Synagogue was the name uh, of that of that gathering, the people there in Pittsburgh. And I, I want us to pray, and I want us to pray a specific prayer uh, for the people, uh, families, uh, several families that are grieving the loss of a, a loved one, uh, people that are grieving the loss of friends, um, families and friends that are wondering if a loved one or friend is gonna, is gonna make it, a community that's um, going through this trauma. I think it's appropriate we pray, and I want us to pray in a specific way, uh, lead us in a specific prayer this morning. Um, I've shared this before, uh, but I'll share it again for those who haven't heard. When I was in college, I went to school in New York, uh, about 30 minutes north of New York City, and one of my good friends, a roommate uh, all throughout college, uh, was a Messianic Jew. Uh, so if you're unfamiliar with that, what that means is it's basically, it's a person who's Jewish and believes in Jesus, believes uh, much the same as we do. Uh, his dad was a rabbi on Long Island. And when we uh, were able to get up early enough on a Saturday morning and we had enough money for tolls, uh, we would make our way down to Long Island to his dad's synagogue service. And I went there a number of times throughout my time in college. Every Shabbat, every service on Saturday, there's a liturgy. Now, when I say liturgy, that's the kind of the flow, the elements of the service. And one of the elements of, liturg of their liturgy um, in their synagogue, and I believe it's true across most, if not all, synagogues still today across the world, is an element of their liturgy is called the mourner's Kaddish. In every Shabbat, they pray this prayer. Um, it's chanted in Hebrew. Uh, I'm not going to do that for you. I don't know Hebrew, um, and I can't chant well. So, but this this prayer is offered up every Shabbat. And what they encourage or invite people who are in the service to do is if you have lost a loved one during that calendar year, it could have been last week, it could have been five months ago, but whenever, if you have lost a loved one within that calendar year, they are invited just to stand. And it's an acknowledgement of I'm in grief. I'm lamenting the loss of a loved one. For a year they do this, every Saturday. And I think it's actually a very healthy practice. Um, sometimes we here in the, in, in the West, uh, we don't do a good job with grief. And we sometimes feel the pressure to quickly just get past it and on with our lives. And, but we don't get past it, do we? We don't. It really becomes part of us. And there's, I think it's healthy uh, to acknowledge it even if, even if months have passed. So today I have the mourner's Kaddish for us. Um, and I'm just going to um, read it. It's a prayer, but I'm going to read it for us. Again, praying this blessing over those families, that community in Pittsburgh there. And um, there will be a few spots, I think three or four spots, where you'll have a chance to respond. And I'll lead into that response by saying, to which we say, and you will respond with, amen. 
And it's just an acknowledgement of what, of what we've just prayed uh, together. So just let's just join together in this moment just to acknowledge what has taken place. We grieve with those who grieve. Even though we don't know them, we're not maybe related to them, we're not there, but we grieve today. Uh, we grieve with those who are grieving today. So allow me to lead us in this, um, this mourner's cottage today. Glorified and sanctified be God's great name throughout the world, which he has created according to his will. And may he establish his kingdom in your lifetime and during your days and within the life of the entire house of Israel speedily and soon, to which we say, may his great name be blessed forever into all eternity. To which we say, blessed and praised, glorified and exalted, extolled and honored, adored and lauded be the name of the Holy One. Blessed be He beyond the blessings and hymns and praises and consolations that are ever spoken in the world. To which we say, may there be abundant peace from heaven and life for us and for all Israel. To that, we, to that we say, He who creates peace and in his, celestial, in his celestial heights, may he create peace for us and for all Israel. To which we say, So Lord, we do pray for these families, friends, this community that is just grieving in these moments even today. We we're thankful for the promise in your words. Say, blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Would you provide that comfort through their grief? Thank you for these moments together, Lord. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. I'm going to take a few moments, and I really count it an honor to be able just for a few moments just to share once again from God's Word. Uh, the passage we're going to look at is up there on the screen, Genesis chapter 5. Uh, Genesis chapter 5, just a few verses, uh, and it'll be brief. It's not going to be a full-on uh, sermon necessarily. Your prayers have been answered. Tom will be brief. Um, because there's a great spread out there. There's a lot of good food from uh, Rito's Bakery. Um, and I was pushing for hot dogs, but uh, instead you get pastries. So, no, I'm just kidding. I really wasn't. Although I can always eat a hot dog. Um, but Genesis chapter 5, um, I, don't, I don't know the last time you read Genesis chapter 5. Um, I don't know the last time you maybe heard a sermon from Genesis chapter 5. I keep a, a, a log, a record of uh, when, where, what text I preach from, and it goes back 17 years, so when I started uh, pastoring in 2001, and, and I look back, I was like, I'm curious, when was the last time I preached Genesis 5, uh, from Genesis 5? And it, it happened several years ago, when, and the only reason I think it happened was because I was going through the book of Genesis. So you can't really skip a chapter, uh, it's kind of awkward when you do. Um, so I did one, one other time, um, uh, preach from Genesis chapter 5. And this is, the few verses we're going to look at are, in, in this chapter, there's a number of reasons why we kind of, we just don't read this chapter much or think about this chapter much or uh, preach maybe from this chapter much. And, and it's a genealogy. It, it contains countless names, name after name after name. And all it really does is it gives us a name 
Uh, if this person had children, it might give us a child's name, and then it tells us how long they lived. And then it moves on to the next person. Name after name after name. And this was one of those passages. When I was growing up, I went with my family to a local church in our community, and we went to Sunday school. And this was one of those passages that when I was in Sunday school, if the teacher said, any volunteers that are willing to read, you would do that thing that we all do. You don't make eye contact with the teacher. You put your head down like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. Can I leave now? Uh, like you just didn't want to read this because there's so many names and you, we, I, we butcher the names. and you're, you just, It's embarrassing. Um, so this is one of those passages we don't get too much. But I felt as I've been thinking about this Sunday and, and all that it is and just what to share with you um, kind of formally one last time. I felt led to these just few verses. We're going to read about a man named Enoch. Not a common name today, but a man named Enoch who we're told had some children. We're told he lived a certain amount of years. And then we're also given in the midst of this genealogy, a little detail about his life that we could just overlook. But here, here's the reality it was important enough to be included in, in the Bible. So therefore, I believe God wants us to think about it and, and chew on a little bit and, and extract some thoughts. What does this mean? And be encouraged by it today. So I want to just read just again, just a few verses and make some observations and, and then we'll go eat. Verse 21. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more. Because God took him away. I'm sure you picked up on the detail that we are given about Enoch. We're not given this detail about other people in this genealogy, and it doesn't mean they didn't do this. But we are given this detail about Enoch's life that Enoch, two times in just like four verses, it says Enoch walked with God. That's all it tells us. They don't get a lot of details about what that all means. How did that happen? How did the writer of Genesis know all the things maybe we want to know. But what, what we have is important enough. It's simple, but yet profound that, that throughout his, and again, he lived a long time, 365 years. Whew, boy. 365 years over the, his lifetime, Enoch walked with God. I like the imagery of walking with God. I don't know if I like it because nowadays I find myself walking more than running. I've shared uh, that Lori and I have had the opportunity, not, it's, not, it's a choice, it wasn't an opportunity, it was a choice uh, to run some longer distance uh, races, and, but now we're walking more. And I like walking more. <laughs> when you're walking with someone, there's something about the pace. It's slow. Um, 
I'm a pretty competitive person. I think you've probably picked up on that over these years. But like when we're walking, when Lori and I are walking together, I'm not trying to win. I have at times, but most of the time, I'm not trying to win the walk. It is slow. It's more about, and you've gone on walks with a loved one, a friend, a group of people. It's more about the people and the relationship, the time with that person or that group of people. It's about the conversation. And it is, it is, it's not about getting somewhere, although you might be trying to get somewhere. But it's more about just being with that person. It's not about a destination. It's more about the journey to and the journey with that person. It's slow. You can also have conversations when you walk. Again, I've done a little bit of distance running, and I've had the chance to run with some people that are a lot faster and a lot more in shape than I am. And they always invite me, like, they invite me to come on out and, and just run with them. And sometimes I do, but I'm like, I just don't want to. And one of the reasons I don't want to is, uh, is because they want to have conversations as we run. And, and some of you have tried this. Like, you've tried to have a conversation as you're running. And, like, these people, again, they are in shape. This is like, they run miles and miles every day. And, like, they can carry on a conversation. And they've asked me questions. And it takes me two miles just to answer the question. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm gasping for breath as we're trying to move along. And, you know, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay, you know. Uh, but, like, but as you walk, there's this sense of community. There's a sense of conversation that can take place. And I wonder, I wonder if maybe those are some of the, some of the ideas that as a writer of Genesis records this for us and he says, Enoch walked with God. We've walked with people. You've walked with people. You know what a walk is. And there might be some of the imagery that the, the, the writer of Genesis wants us to think about as it relates to walking with God. In walking, again, it's slow. We had some friends who, uh, about five, six years ago, we went on a vacation uh, down to Virginia Beach with, and it was the first time our, us and our families had ever gone down there. So we didn't really know the lay of the land that well and where things were at. Um, but it's interesting that these friends of ours, they said, you know, we want to we wanna go shopping. And so they, they, they decide they're going to walk down the beach. And they're like, we'll just go, for, we'll go walk down the beach, shop, and come back. So they, a group takes off. It's like noon, uh, 1230, they take off. It's like 4 o'clock, and they're not back. And we're starting to get a little worried. Uh, and then like an hour later, they showed up just exhausted. And we're like, what happened? They're like, it's a lot further than we thought. And it took them a long time. Again, it's June, it's hot. It took them a long time to walk down the beach. That shop looked a lot closer from our house than it actually was. Walking is not fast. There's a faster way to get to that shop. But they chose to walk. And I think there's something too that we live in a fast-paced culture that says we want things now. But God says we're going to walk. And it might take a while. It's slow. Just a few observations as we think about walking. And today, I just want to be an advocate 
an encourager to you and to my own heart today to be people that walk with God. Wherever that walk will take us, wherever that'll go, that will be people that'll walk with God. And that's really the first observation about this. We don't know where this walk is going to take us. It's interesting to me that we're given this other detail about Enoch, or other than his, his children, one name, Methuselah, and then other sons and daughters, his age when he died. But then it says this, Enoch walked with God and then he was no more because God took him away. I don't think this was part of Enoch's 10-year plan. This wasn't part of Enoch's script, dream. This wasn't something he could predict. Like, there's going to come a point, 365 years, and then I'm going to be no more. He couldn't have. He had no idea where this walk was going to take him. But yet he walked with God. We had some, we went on another, earlier this year in the spring with some friends down to Tennessee and while we were down there, it's in the, in the mountains and on a lake, and none of the, our family or the other family we were with had never been there before. So we want to try hiking, ch- check out some of the trails there in, in that part of Tennessee. And so a friend of ours had on his app all these trails. And you can get descriptions of the trails and how hard they're going to be and what you can see on the trails. And so we found one trail, and it said intermediate. I use that word loosely. It said intermediate, and it said waterfalls. And as soon as our kids heard that, we're like, yeah, let's do that. So we pack up and we head down the road. We find the trail and we start hiking. And we're doing great. It's, we got energy. We got strength. We're, we're laughing. We're having a great time taking some pictures. We find the waterfalls and then the trail keeps going. And we're like, oh, let's just keep going. So we keep going. We, we circle around and the next thing you know, we are climbing some pretty steep inclines and there's switchbacks. And the, the family we were with had two little children and I felt so bad. Those little girl's legs just couldn't carry them anymore. So now these parents are carrying their kids up the trails and we're carrying their bags and and the laughter is leaving us. And there's some conversations about maybe we should turn around, but we're like, no, I think we're close. And, And that's, you've all been there probably before. We had no idea where that trail was gonna take us. And isn't that true of life? As we think about walking with God, we, you know, we, we all have a script for how we'd like our life to unfold. It starts when we're young. We start dreaming and thinking about what we want to do, what we want to be, where we maybe want to live. Some of us think about it more than others, depending on our personality. Some maybe had a whole plan on a piece of paper, or, you know, you just had your life. We had, we had our lives mapped out. And, you know, for me, as a young boy growing up north of Boston, I mean, the first dream is to play second base for the Boston Red Sox. I mean, that is, that's what's going to happen. Obviously, it hasn't. I learned quickly I'm not that good at baseball, and this is not going to happen. The second dream was to be an orthodontist. And uh, that's just what I wanted to be in middle school. And, and I think, honestly, it was because when I showed up to my uh, orthodontic appointments, uh, I, I would notice there was my orthodontist sign on his parking spot, Dr. Uh, I can't remember his name, Dr. So-and-so. And uh, every, every appointment, he seemed to have a new sports car in the parking lot. And as a middle school boy, that's like, that's what I want. I want that. But then I quickly learned how long you have to go to school to be an orthodontist. And that just wasn't going to be for me. And, but we all have a script for how we think or would like our life to unfold. 
And sometimes it does. Sometimes dreams, things we th- have wanted to do, things we put in our script, again, whether written or unwritten, happen. And we rejoice in that. We're thankful for that. But I think at the same time, we know, we know that life takes unexpected turns that you never would have predicted. You couldn't have predicted. And it's probably good that we don't know it's coming. We don't know exactly where this walk will take us. Enoch didn't know, but he walked with God. So back to my story in Tennessee, as we're grumbling up our way, or our way up the mountain, we reached the top. And I could tell you, I wish I had a picture. I should have grabbed a picture. It was worth it. The top was worth it. We were exhausted. We were tired. A little dehydrated. We sat down on this rock overlooking the valley below us. And we just sat there in awe of the beauty before us. I think we know, again, life will take turns that we didn't expect. And we, didn't wish, we, we would never wish upon ourselves or someone else. But through time, and pers- time provides perspective. We can look back on those moments, and I, I believe we would acknowledge, and I would acknowledge even from my own walk, that some of the hardest turns have produced some of the, have yielded some of the greatest life lessons in our lives. We don't know. As we walk with God, we don't know where this walk will take us. But as unnerving and scary and maybe create anxiety in us as this reality can be, while we don't know where our walk will take us, we know today that God walks with us. That's what happened to Enoch. It said two times. And again, when the Bible repeats itself, it's not repeating itself because the author forgot. It's making a point. It's saying this is important. Pick up on this. And it says two times that Enoch walked with God. I'm sure in Enoch's life, there were twists and turns that he wasn't expecting. But throughout it all, he wasn't alone. And today, I, wanna, I want us to know, I want us to know that God walks with us. And here's, here's, a, here's another thought there too. He wants to walk with us. He likes you. He loves you. He wants to be with you. He doesn't do it in a, begrudgingly way, a begrudging way like, man, I have to walk with Tom. I have to walk with Jim. I wish I didn't have to, but I have to. No, he wants to. He knows everything about you and I. He knows me and he knows you better than we know ourselves. He knows everything you've done, everything you've said, whether it's good or bad. He knows it all. There's no hiding it from him. And he says, I still want to walk with you. I want to be with you. I want my presence to go with you. Obviously, Enoch, when, we, when this picture here of him walking with God, obviously it wasn't God physically being there, um, you know, walking maybe hand in hand or arm in arm or, you know, 
through his life. Obviously, God physically wasn't there. It's, it's, it's imagery of this presence. So, so today, obviously, God isn't going to physically walk with us through life. But, but how does he walk with us? He walks with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit that is in us as we follow Jesus. He's with us. He's in us. He's guiding us. He walks with us through his word, the Bible. It's, this, it's who he is. It's God is revealing who he is through the living word. It's, it's a, his presence with us. And lastly, I believe God walks with us through the church. And when I say the church, I'm referring to people. One of the greatest gifts of God's presence in our lives is the gift of friends. Other followers of Jesus who can walk with us through the twists and turns of life, who can cry with us, who can pray with us, who can encourage us, who can say the, the, the hard thing to us that we, need, we all need to hear, but we trust them enough to hear it. God shows up in the form of other people walking with us through this life. While we don't know where our walk will take us, we don't know what's going to happen next week. We have plans, we have things on our calendar, but there will be things that will happen that were unexpected. Well, we don't know where the walk's going to take us. We know, confidently know, that God walks with us. Earlier this week, I don't know if you heard this, but earlier this week, a man by the name of Eugene Peterson uh, went to be with Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me, Eugene Peterson, you might be familiar with who that is, you might not. Eugene Peterson uh, was a pastor, was an author, uh, most well known for writing uh, a paraphrase of the Bible um, called The Message. Some of you maybe have a copy of that. If you don't, I would strongly encourage you to pick one up. It is, it is a great way to read the Bible. Again, it's not a translation. It's a paraphrase. How Eugene Peterson, as he read the Bible, he basically said, this is what I think these texts are saying. And he wrote it out. And he wrote the entire Bible. Took from Genesis to Revelation, and you can buy it. And um, just a man who has influenced Christianity in, in, in significant ways. He went home to be with Jesus. He wrote a book, one of his other books, uh, was about discipleship and this idea of walking with God throughout your life. And the title of his book on discipleship was the long, it's, it's called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That's how he described discipleship. It is long. It's not fast. It's, it's slow. All of us are works in progress. All of us have things in our lives, attitudes, behaviors, practices that we, we wished weren't there. And God is in this process. We're cooperating with him and the Holy Spirit to see these things changed and transformed, sanctified, become more like Jesus. But it's that long, long, long process, obedience, walk of obedience in the same direction. And I want to encourage us here today to be people who, like Enoch so many years ago, it was said of him that he walked with God. Might it be said of all of us the end of the day, and we are a man or we are a woman, we are a teenager, we are a middle school student, a high school student who walked with God. I want to pray this for you today. Here's my prayer for you, Hope Church.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and give you peace. Thank you. Could you join me in expressing your appreciation to Pastor Tom and Lori? be seated for just a moment. Uh, obviously, when you love people and you love uh, <coughs> Pastor Tom and Lori the way we do, this is a difficult moment. It reminded me in the Bible of a time where the Apostle Paul had lived among some people in a city called Ephesus, and he was their pastor. And uh, he had left there, but on his way, he was traveling through and he was on his way to Jerusalem, and it says that he stopped in a city as he was traveling and um, uh, near where the city of Ephesus was, and he sent to the elders there and asked if they would come and uh, meet with him. And there's a very emotional scene, much like one that we face today that's in the Bible. So it says, it says this in, in uh, Acts chapter 20, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church when they arrived he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the, of the Jewish leaders. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Tom, I just want to say to you as a friend and as a colleague in ministry, you've served the Lord with great humility, sometimes with tears. There have been severe tests, but you have not hesitated to preach anything to us that would draw us closer to God and to walk with him. as you've, Even today, you're still encouraging us to walk with God. And we, we want to say thank you for that. And we love you deeply. We're going to miss you deeply. There's a more in this scene. And uh, uh, Paul encourages the elders much even like how uh, Pastor Tom has encouraged us today. And then we have this... Uh, this word, it says, now I commit you to God, Paul is saying, and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so even as a people of God, we say to you and Lori, Tom, to your family, we commit you to God and to the word of his grace, that he can build you up. And we love you very much, and we'll always be praying that as you pray that for us. The scene concludes when it says, when he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. <laughs> it was very emotional. I did mention in the first service that I wasn't going to kiss Tom, although um, 
I did. I did kiss Jim one time. There is a story, and uh, we'll have just, to. Just one time. It, it needs some explaining, but we don't have time here. But uh, uh, Pastor Tom did kiss me. <laughs> But you know what? When people love each other, that's what I'm saying. The Bible, they, they just, they knelt together. They prayed. They were, there were tears together. You know, we sense those kind of things today, and it's an evidence of our love. And uh, I'm thankful that we have this kind of love, and we can even cry together today. So I'd just like to simply pray, and as I pray for Tom and Lori, their family, I'd ask you to join with me. Uh, let's join our hearts together before the Lord and ask for his blessing upon Tom and Lori, their family. Lord, we are so thankful that you placed us together in this body. And for Tom and for Lori, for each of their kids, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for their love for you, their love for people, how you've used them. I said in the first service, I'll say it again, I'm glad Tom's not a member of the Red Sox, <laughs> even though that would be good right now, <laughs> or that he became an orthodontist, but that you gave him a heart for people and for you to help people walk with you. We've been the benefit, beneficiaries of that ministry, Lord, and we want to say thank you to you even as we say and express our love and thanks to them. We commend them to your grace. Mm -hmm. We commend them to the walk you have with them. Uh, thank you that the truths that Pastor Tom shared is you will be walking with them, and we thank you for that. Thank you for walking with Tom and Lori and mm -hmm. with Lily and Thomas and Nathan and Elsie. Thank you for their family. And uh, Lord, wherever uh, you have them on this journey, whatever the next turn is, thank you that they know that you will be walking with them. And thank you, Lord, for the picture he gave us today of even life itself being, sometimes we feel like we're going up that trail and you, you think, Lord, this is hard. <laughs> but you bring us to the a top. You bring us to the place where the, the beauty of the scene and you have that plan for every one of us. So I pray that you'll keep us walking with you. They didn't turn back, and I just thank you for that. I just pray you'd keep us walking with you step by step, whatever the road looks like, and uh, keep your blessing upon this family whom we love so much. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 <laughs> just express one more time your, your love to them. We have a microwave hot dog. I mean, we went all out, Tom. <laughs> Is this from when we did this a few months ago? Yeah, that was, that's been frozen to thawed twice, and, and, uh, but enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, bud.